0: See, we should just they have a mixer and everything. You know what? what's all this amateurism going on. You know, let's yeah, you know, like, just, it's just get it together. Man. Oh, you better believe it. We're back with another episode here. And we have another music-related episode, or music to bring on a road trip, if you will. And it's gonna be another top ten list that I'm tackling tonight. Uh, if you listened to my previous episode, you will know that that episode focused on my top 10 list of albums by the Beatles. And tonight, I'm going to tackle the Fab Four, but I'm going to look at their solo careers. And I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview of their individual solo career, beginning with the breakup of the band in 1970. And I'll give you my 10 favorite Uh, albums between the four of them, between John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. Um, Between the four of them, there's 10 albums that I think are fantastic and worth your attention, and um, we'll tackle that list uh, this evening. And again, keep in mind that what I might considered to be you know the best album. It doesn't necessarily have to be the best albums musically. you know these are also albums that you know I personally feel attached to that I feel are great listens. And they're also the albums that as we go through this list, you'll see that they're the albums that I reach for the most and put on my record player most often. Um, so those, those are things to keep in mind, too. It's not just about you know, the musicianship and the lyrics and the production and, and all that stuff. It's also about what albums make for the best listening experience or what, what puts you in the right mood. You know? So when I'm on road trips, these are the albums that I oftentimes uh, listen to on, on, on my iTunes. And when I'm at home in the living room, I also put them on as well. And I want to start, before I get into the list, there are a couple of things I want to do here first. So with these, so with the Beatles' solo careers, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, I think there are a lot of different directions that you can go in for a top ten albums list between the four of them. Um, and as I said, there are, there are many different combinations and ways that you can go about this. But I think if you're going to do a top 10 album list correctly, you know, from a quality standpoint, there are four albums that have to be on any person's top 10 list. Um, And there's one by each ex-Beatle, one by John, one by Paul, one by George, and one by Ringo. And those are, in no particular order, John Lennon's Imagine, Paul McCartney's Band on the Run, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass, and Ringo Starr's Ringo. I think those four albums have to be on any thinking person's top ten list as far as best albums from the solo careers. So post-Beatles breakup in April 1970. What you do from there... And how you even rank those albums is completely up to you. That's where the real divergence begins. And you'll see that on my top 10 list, those four albums are in that top 10, but I will not spoil for you just yet exactly where they are. Um, so that's one thing out of the way. The other thing I want to get into, like I did for the uh, the Beatles top 10, I want to get into the honorable mentions real quick. Um, and again, there's... There's a lot of different directions you could go in with this. This is more about personal taste, I think. But um, I'm going to give you one album from each guy. Um, An album that didn't make this list, but I think is worth at least a half hour of your time if you have it. And if you haven't uh, already become familiar with these albums, I think you might find the experience worthwhile. We're going to start with Paul. And... This is an album that I never would have expected to become attached to personally. I always find myself listening to this one. It's a nostalgic favorite of mine because it was released at the height of the COVID pandemic in 2020. I'm talking about McCartney 3. It was released in 2020. McCartney himself uh, recorded all of the songs while in lockdown over in the UK. This is just a really happy album, if you ask me, Um, and I think something has to be said here right off the bat, that you have to understand what you're getting yourself into with this album. You are not listening to Paul McCartney at the height of his musical and artistic powers with this album. Um, He plays and sings like he's a 78-year-old grandpa which he is, he was, at the time of the recording of this. Um, If you can get over that, and if you can accept this for what it is, I think you might actually enjoy it. And one of the things that I really have to say, and I think something that goes under the radar here that doesn't get talked about enough, is that, yeah, McCartney is 78 years old while he's singing the lyrics for these songs, and he's... Pretty much as you might... He sounds pretty much like you would expect him to sound. Um, But to me, I really respect that because there's so much of an emphasis nowadays on auto-tuning and AI and computer bullshit. Um, He's not having any of that in this. And you really feel like this is a homemade, intimate album experience. And... This was an album that I took with me on a lot of my early road trips post-pandemic, and I just love it. I always find myself coming back to it. I felt a little weird putting this in the top ten list, because I don't feel like this is an album that belongs there. But when I was thinking about honorable mentions before getting into this list, I couldn't help but bring this album up. So it is McCartney 3. It's a relatively recent release. I have this album on multiple different forms of media. I have it on CD and I have multiple different vinyl pressings of this album. One of them is a standard pressing that was actually released with the McCartney 123 box set which came out I think in 2022 if I'm not mistaken. It's relatively recent. It's a box set with the three McCartney albums. And so I have this pressing, and I also have a very rare pressing from around the same time. There were only 3,000 of them that were ever made. Um, An orange vinyl pressing of the album, which I'm staring at it right now in its beautiful uh, picture frame that I recently got. And uh, one of these days soon, it'll be hanging up on my wall somewhere. Um, so I'm very proud of that little piece of my collection, and, uh, my favorite color is orange, so I couldn't say no to it when, uh, when I saw that. And the fact that there were only, there were only that many copies ever pressed that's of that color, anyway. Um, yeah, it was a must-have for a McCartney fan like myself. Uh, other honorable mentions here, George Harrison, let's talk about him for a second. Um... My three favorite George albums are in this top 10 list of mine. If I had to make room for a fourth, I would pick Living in the Material World from 1973. Really his follow-up album to his big hit, All Things Must Pass, from 1970. Um, there's some really good stuff on this. It's got a great number one hit song and Give Me Love, Give Me Peace on Earth. Um Some people really dislike this album because this is where he starts to get a little too preachy and he starts to go down the road of the Krishna stuff. I don't think it overpowers this album necessarily. I think it's still a very fine album. Um, and one of my favorite George songs post the Beatles, uh, don't let me wait too long. Um, that is always a favorite song of mine to pop on. It's such a great uplifting piece. Um, And like I said, I wouldn't be without that album either. Um, As far as John Lennon is concerned, when Double Fantasy was released in 1980, it had been the first time in five years that anybody had heard a peep from Lennon uh, because he kind of went into solitude. He went into retreat in the Dakota for a few years uh, in New York City. And so when he emerged from that hiatus and recorded Double Fantasy, I think a lot of people were very eager to know what what he had been up to for all that time and what he had released and what he came up with. I think I think the initial um, the initial reaction to it was about right, but then shortly after the album was released um, in December of 1980. Uh, what happened, happened. And this album took on a life of its own. And it really became Lennon's biggest commercial success in the United States. Um, unfortunately, it took his passing for that to happen. But I think that the Lennon songs on this album are between great and phenomenal. I think they're all high class stuff it's just a shame that in five years of time we only got seven new tracks out of him because the 14 tracks on that album are split between john and yoko the yoko stuff is worthless it's forgettable it's not even worth discussing but what i've done on my itunes is i've created a playlist for double fantasy where i just put the lennon tracks and a couple of other tracks that were conceived around the same time, but didn't make the album that kind of put them all on this playlist and I'll listen to that from time to time. And it's, it's a nice listen. You know, there's, there's three big hits on that album just from Lennon um, with um, just like starting over and woman and beautiful boy. And another favorite of mine is watching the wheels. Um, So there's, there's some great stuff from him on this album and it's, it's one of the great what ifs of music history, right? You know, what happens if he's not what happens if he doesn't get killed? You know, what what might he have done in the years after that? Could he have gotten back together with Paul McCartney? You know, there's there's all sorts of rumors and speculation about that. But uh so I would say double fantasy is a is one of those that is worth looking into. And then good old Ringo. Um I really don't listen to a lot of Ringo's solo stuff, um, but one album that I think does get underappreciated and overlooked is his country album of covers from 1970, "Book Hoops of Blues." Um, another nice—it's—it's it's just a nice, pleasant, laid-back, enjoyable listen. You know, if you're looking for something to just kick back and enjoy for a half an hour. It's not bad, and, and Ringo at his best, you know, when Ringo is at his best, it's in the country and western vein, and he's in that element, you know, headlong on this, and he sings it well, he sings all the songs well, and like I said, it, it just works. It works well for him and his style, and I don't mind it at all. I think it's I think it's just fine. Okay, so the honorable mentions are out of the way. So, let's get into this top 10 list here, shall we? And I'm going to give you the usual disclaimer at the top here as we start this list that, of course, this is just my list. These are my personal preferences. I don't expect all of you out there to agree. I expect there to be quite a few eyebrows raised at times Um, but this is kind of something I thought I would do for fun and of course you folks are entitled to your opinions on what you think and I'm entitled to my opinion so without wasting any more time number 10 and I'm gonna get the eyebrow raising off to a fast start here with the first one which is John Lennon Plastic Ono Band from 1970. This was his debut solo album. A lot of people rank this album very high on their lists. Uh, it is not surprising to... if somebody is giving out a list that this album might even be at the top of their list. And it's very easy to understand why that is. This, this uh, album is played very well. Uh, the lyrics are very powerful. It's even produced very well. I mean, Phil Spector is credited with production, but he really wasn't around much during this. John and Yoko basically produced this themselves. Um, and so it's it's a masterful job of production. As I said, you know, the, the musicianship on this album is outstanding. Where I have a problem with this album, and this is this is where this comes into like personal taste and stuff like that is that I find this a very difficult album to listen to. Um, It's a very... It's kind of a downer. It's kind of depressing in some respects. You know, John, in the aftermath of the Beatles' breakup, confronts a lot of the pain of his past, of his childhood, um, of the loss of his band. And he does it really admirably. I, I think that... I think it's really ballsy of John to do this kind of an album right out of the gate. You know, when you're starting out in a new direction, you know, you might try to do something that's a lot more more pop-ish, a lot more flashy. But he didn't do that with this, and I think it's really admirable that he had the guts to go here and do this kind of an album instead. That's, again, a bit of a downer. And yeah, you, you kind of have to be in the right mood to enjoy it. At least I feel that way, but I don't deny this album's merits. It, it is a fantastic statement in its own right. Um, songs from here that are really good. I mean, the first track mother is just, oof, it is, it's really powerful. And songs like "Working Class Hero," um, "Love," "Look at Me," and how he ends the album with the song "God." Again, it, it's it's a profound musical and artistic statement that maybe someday this album will be higher up on my list. Who knows? You know, I'm I am still relatively young, and God willing, I'll be around for a long time still. Um, but what I would like to say that. One of the songs on this album that I really love and is one of my three favorite John Lennon solo songs is the song uh, Isolation, which closes outside one of this album. Um, I just think it's a fantastic tune. The piano and the vocals, they are just it's just a perfect song, and I love it. It's the one song on this album that I will listen to on repeat. I think it's that good. Now, the perhaps the opposite of the John Lennon Plastic Ono Band album is uh, the Ringo album from 1973, and that's number nine on my list. This is just a very happy-go-lucky, enjoyable experience to listen to. Um, Ringo is not the kind of person to take himself too seriously, and you can sense that in the songs that he does. And, you know, even even in the more serious songs, such as Photograph, um, you know, he's in Six O'Clock, he, he sings them very well. There's a bit of an upbeat tone to them, even even despite their subject matter. And, um, you know, Ringo's all-star band is kind of his touring group. Well, you've got an all-star cast here with John, John Lennon and... George Harrison and Paul McCartney, each contributing songs for this. Um, uh, Photograph was a number one hit, as was Your Sixteen. And this was Ringo at the peak of his powers as a solo artist. And it's just a great listen. I I recommend it to anybody who's looking for something a little relaxing and even a little goofy at times uh, to listen to. Number eight... Now, I feel like these next two albums I'm going to talk about are interchangeable on the list. So, you know, like the album that's number eight could be seven and seven could be eight on any given day. Um, For me, it it really makes no difference. And for today's presentation, number eight is going to be George Harrison's uh, Cloud Nine album released in 1987. This album, I think, was described by him as a comeback album. He had just gotten through a couple of serious missteps in the early 1980s. I'm looking at you somewhere in England and Gontrapo. And he took a few years off, which I think was a good move for him. It, it allowed him to sort of hit the reset button, you know, catch his breath, collect himself artistically, and he came back with the help of Jeff Lynn producing and a pretty solid album all the way around it's a nice listen um it's got the number one hit got my Mind Set on you on it which actually is the most recent um number one hit song by a member of the beatles it was george harrison in 1987 i think it might have actually been their most recent top 10 but i, I don't know about that for sure but certainly it was their most recent um, number one, and it was literally a lifetime ago, 1987. Yeah, I'm an 88 baby, so, um, I was not alive to see any Beatles solo songs hit number one, but George Harrison's contribution here came close. And there's just a few really good songs on here that I really like. Um, The title track, Cloud Nine, That's What It Takes. Um, When We Was Fab is a fun song. Um and stuff on side two also that I really like. Devil's Radio. And ar- arguably my favorite song on the whole album is Wreck of the Hesperus, which is just a fun rocker. I don't know that he ever really meant for it to be anything more than that or anything all too substantial, but it works. It's it's quite lovely. Um Number seven, um I said that these albums would be interchangeable and we're going to stay with George Harrison, and we're going to wind the clock back about a decade to his thirty-three and a third album, which was released in late 1976. Interestingly, this album also has something in common with Cloud Nine: is that in that it was coming off of a couple of severe missteps. This time in the mid '70s, and this time I'm looking at you, uh, Dark Horse and Extra Texture. But he came back in '76, and This album was a huge improvement over those previous two efforts in the middle part of the decade. Um, And there's some really cool stuff on here. You know, I would have loved for the Beatles to have done the opening song on this album, Woman Don't You Cry For Me. I always wonder what McCartney would have done with that bass line. Cause it's such a funky tune, and I, I just, I love the way that Harrison does it. But I can't imagine how McCartney would have done that in a Beatles setting. I think that would have been really cool to listen to. And there's, there's a few, there are a few good songs on here. Um, with the hit singles, this song and Crackerbox Palace. Um, other songs I like are See Yourself, It's What You Value. And his cover of True Love is, I think, really cool. Um, again, this is an all-around a really solid album. And I don't know that it gets as much attention as it should. But uh, for my money, it's, it's certainly worth popping on the record player and listening to. Number 6. Okay, so number 6 and 5 are similar to numbers 8 and 7. And that I feel like they could be interchangeable. You know, so... Number six today could be number five tomorrow and vice versa. But for today's purposes, I'm going to give the number six spot to John Lennon in his Imagine album from 1971. Probably one of the high spots of Lennon's career as a solo artist, um, both musically and critically. It has the big hit Imagine. Um And it's got a bunch of other songs on it that are really strong as well. My absolute favorite Lennon solo song is on this album, uh, Jealous Guy. Which, if you're familiar with the Beatles, you may know that he had the music for that song conceived. Um, In fact, I think going all the way back to the White Album sessions. But in the Get Back series that Peter Jackson put out a couple years ago, you, you can hear them fiddling around with the tune. He didn't have the words yet. He had a different set of lyrics that he was thinking about. Um, And uh, he almost actually recorded that song in January of 69. But I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he reconsidered the lyrics and reimagined the song um, into what is nowadays known as Jealous Guy. And as I said, it is my favorite um, solo Lennon tune. Um, It's a pleasant listen for the most part. It does... It does have its moments where it gets a bit angry, and that's where I get a little turned off by it. I could do without the song How Do You Sleep, to be quite honest with you. I think it's a bunch of nonsense. But uh, all in all, this is a pretty solid album, and as I said, it it marks Lennon's uh, high point as a soloist uh, when he released this in 1971. In the same year as Lennon's Imagine, Uh, Paul McCartney released, uh, the album Ram in that year, and that's number five on my list today. This is very similar to the George Harrison albums I've already talked about, and also the Ringo album, in that this is just another really fun listen. Um, This album was really panned by critics when it came out in 1971. I think nowadays people realize that this was a much stronger album today than people thought it was back then. Um, There are a few really good highlights on here. The album opener, Too Many People, Um, Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey is a classic, and Eat at Home is one of my favorite McCartney solo tracks, period. And he closes the album with Backseat of My Car, which was another song that has its roots in the Get Back sessions of January 1969, Um, and I'm glad to see that it saw the light of day on this album. So, Ram is another one of those albums that I always find myself returning to, and uh, I wouldn't be without it on any road trip or anywhere, period. Okay, we're into the top four here, so... I guess you could say that from here, this is my Mount Rushmore of Beatles solo albums. Uh, So I'm gonna start number. I'm gonna have number four be a little bit of a wild card that's gonna probably raise some eyebrows. I'm gonna go with McCartney, the debut solo album uh, from Paul. It was released in April 1970. This is if I had to pick one album to just put on my record player and spend a half hour with in the recliner with a drink watching i don't know the weather channel or something on mute and have something on musically in the background i would probably pick this album um the songs on it that have lyrics um, are fantastic to great uh and i wouldn't be without them I'm talking about That Would Be Something, Every Night, Man We Was Lonely. A sleeper favorite of mine is Ooh You. And of course the big hit on this album is Maybe I'm Amazed, which I think a lot of people consider to be one of McCartney's greatest uh, compositions as a solo artist. Um, The instrumental tracks on here are where this album begins to lose steam. However, I would say that at worst... If you put this album on in your living room, uh, these instrumental tracks are pleasant background music for whatever it is that you might be working on. So I don't really mind them that much in that context. Um, this is one of those the albums that I always find myself returning to at uh, Wiz headquarters. And um, it's always it's always a solid, pleasant listen that for me is indispensable. Um Now, number three, I'm going to go to George Harrison and talk about his All Things Must Pass album. With his debut effort from late 1970, Um, this is a triple album, uh, and I'll talk about the contents of the three discs, or the third disc, in a second, but I want to mention... That the first two discs, or the first four sides of this, are as good as anything that has ever come out of any solo Beatle artist, period. Um, Starting right from the top with uh, I'd Have You Anytime, which is a co-write with Bob Dylan, you go right on down the line here. My Sweet Lord, Isn't It a Pity, Um, Let It Down is a song I really like run of the mill is one that i really like too and then you've got other songs on the second disc like beware of darkness um apple scruffs and then the title track all things must pass some people find art of dying to be really annoying i i really like that tune and he's got eric clapton playing lead guitar on that song i think it works really well um and hear me lord is a great album closer If not for this third disc, which is the Apple Jam disc. Now, I think what hurts this album's rating, in my opinion, is this third disc. This album was released in 1970 as a triple album. The first two discs were the studio album, and then the third disc was titled Apple Jam, which is basically just a bunch of outtakes and recordings of jam sessions with George and his... I don't know, his buddies or session musicians or whatever. I mean, I I generally like to pretend that this third disc doesn't exist because there's very little of it that I find worthwhile. Um, so, you know, it it is a bit watered down in a sense because of that. But if you just focus on the first two discs of this album, it is, as I said, as strong a creation as there ever was for a solo Beatle artist and, in my opinion, is an indispensable piece of the puzzle in their solo careers. Okay, we're down to the last two here, the top two. Where am I going next here? Well, with number two, I'm going to go back to John Lennon. I'm going to go to his Walls and Bridges, which was released in 1974. I think Lennon, in his later years, I don't remember if it was in the Playboy interview from 1980 or if it was from some other source, but Lennon, I think, came to really dislike this album because it reminded him so much of his falling out with Yoko and The Lost Weekend and all that stuff. Yoko is not in the picture for this album. Um, and <laughs> actually I have to say that that's actually why I like it so much. Um, when Lennon is not influenced by Yoko Ono, um, the stuff he produces is deeply moving, deeply profound, and fucking great to listen to. (laughs) So, and so Walls and Bridges is a perfect example of that. Um, it's got everything that a great album should have. It's got a number one hit song, Whatever Gets You Through the Night, which is... My third in my top three of favorite John Lennon solo songs. People will say that, well, it only got to number one because of Elton John playing on it. Well, that's true. Elton John, this is a duet with him, and Elton plays the piano and provides backing vocals. That's true, maybe. But you also have to remember that Elton John in 1974 was at the height of his creative powers. You know, he had just come off of uh goodbye yellowbrick road the year before and so i would say if i'm john lennon and i'm looking to for a hit why wouldn't i reach out to my buddy elton john you know that's a once in a lifetime opportunity there and they came together and they made a song that was just it's just a great song i love that i love whatever gets you through the night I, it's maybe i'll do a list of my 10 favorite solo beatles songs and i'm sure that song'll be I'm sure it would be, at the very least, it would be top five, if not even higher than that. Um, Other songs on this album that are really good, I mean, right from the first moment of this album, with the first track going down on Love, right on through, there's, there's some really great sentimental stuff with Old Dirt Road. There's some really introspective stuff with Scared and Bless You. And he's got a secondary hit with Number 9, Dream. Um, and then one of the great album closers is Nobody Loves You When You're Down and Out. A lot of people will say that the song Ya, ya is a filler track. And yeah, I, you, I can understand why you would say that. Um, but then when you realize that this is a song where he's just jamming uh, with him at the piano and his son Julian at the drums. Um, it takes on a lot more meaning than just being another filler track. And I wish that John and Julian had had more of an opportunity to do that kind of a stuff. But uh, fortunately they got this chance and they are immortalized in song in this respect. Um, this is just a great album. It's a great album to put on anytime time and um like i said this is one of those road trip albums that i wouldn't be without um and that leaves just with the number 1 spot one more to talk about and after a lot of careful consideration i've decided to go with paul mccartney's uh wildlife <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding could you imagine do you imagine if I said that Wildlife was legitimately my favorite album? Yeesh. I'm going to have to do an episode at one point about, like, Solo Beatles missteps. Or, like, I don't know if I would say, like, the ten worst albums, because, I mean, that would be a top ten that would be a barrel of laughs to do. Because um, there certainly were a lot of missteps, too, in their solo careers, and I'm not touching on any of that tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know what you would say about some of this stuff. You know, it's just, there's just so much stuff out there that unfortunately for them and for us is just really forgettable. But no, 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 I'm not, I'm not picking wildlife as my number one. Just stop it. Uh, <laughs> my actual number one, no joke, is McCartney's Band on the Run, uh, in 1973 and, uh, much like walls and bridges is the perfect album it and that it has everything that you want on a great album the same can be said for this too um the title track is instantly recognizable it's one of the biggest hits of any solo beatle artist um and their secondary hits jet let me roll it is one of my favorite mccartney tunes uh, that he ever did um, And even side two of this album, um, with Picasso's last words, I think that's a really underrated track that I love to listen to. And the last song on the album, 1985, with how it builds to this climax that will make you think of A Day in the Life and the end of Sgt. Pepper, I think, I'm sure that's what he was going for with that. This album has the perfect ending. With how that song ends and how the last thing you hear is a callback to the title track at the very opening of the album. Um, It's just the perfect album. And the story behind its recording is equally interesting. Um, Wings had been established at the end of 71. And that's when they released Wildlife. And they went on tour around the UK in 72 and 73. And they were about to go to Africa to record this. A lot of this album was recorded in Lagos, Nigeria. And on the eve of them leaving for Africa, a couple of the members of Wings quit. So, it, And it ended up being just Paul and Linda and Denny Lane who went to Africa and recorded the bulk of this there. And perhaps a three hour podcast episode so could dive into all this all the nonsense that went on down there and all the adversity they faced you know just trying to record the album down there but they they managed to pull it off and they they recorded a masterpiece um, this I would say that you know unobjectively I would say that this is probably McCartney's crowning achievement as a solo artist uh, I don't I mean, there are probably other albums that you could put up there as competition, but um, I would say Band on the Run is in a league of its own. Um, And it's clearly a league of its own for me, as I've got it at the top of my list. So that is my top ten Beatles solo albums from 1970 to the present. Certainly, hope you've enjoyed this list. I again, I I'm sure that I've surprised a few of you with some of my choices. But um, it'll be interesting to see, and maybe even revisit this uh, these top ten lists that I'm doing many years from now, and we'll see how my opinions have changed, or how they haven't changed. Um, like I said, you know, so much of these top ten lists have a lot to do with what we personally value and what we hold close um, and what we find ourselves coming back to the most often. And uh, I I certainly think that this list in particular is uh, an expression of that. So when I'm on the road and when I'm doing my thing, you know, traveling around the country for my YouTube channel and coming up with stuff for the Gribble Nation blog, chances are that you can... Find me listening to some of this stuff along the way. And uh, I hope this kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of what I value and what I like to listen to when I'm on the road and doing my thing behind the camera. Um, Let me know what you guys think. You know, what albums do you think belong in this top ten? What albums did I leave out that should have been included? Um, I might start a poll, you know, who's a bigger dope, me or Doug Kerr? That would be a nice one to do. Either way, um, if you'd like to get in touch with the show and uh, let me know your thoughts, you can do so by reaching out to me at uh, roadwaywiz at gmail.com. I'd be happy to take your comments, questions, concerns, and angry pitchfork, pitchfork reactions, whatever it is you want to send my way. That's, that's all right with me. I certainly thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you found it useful. You've been listening to an episode of the Gribble Nation Roadcast, which is a product of Spotify, and you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, and a few other places as well, wherever it is that you might get your podcasts. I certainly hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've got a lot more content on the way this fall and winter, a lot more interviews that I'd like to set up, a lot more you know one-on-one discussions a lot of roundtable stuff um there's there's never a shortage of stuff to talk about that's the beautiful thing about what i do um it's just a matter of finding the time and finding the schedules and the people that can line up in order for it to happen but i think i'm optimistic that we can get a lot uh, recorded and shipped out to you lovely listeners out there in the weeks and the months ahead so I certainly look forward to bringing that all to you. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you are still watching or still listening to this podcast uh, after these top ten lists I've put out recently. And uh, until we speak again, thank you again for listening. Happy travels, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for tuning in to uh, an episode of the Gribble Nation Roadcast. Uh, We hope uh, you get to listen to us again soon. Have a good one.